T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Serious question. Who'd you rather have? Derek Carr or Phillip Rivers? Pretty easy answer if you ask me. Who's a bigger danger to themselves on social media? The President of the United States or Antonio Brown? Happy Bloody Mary Friday, everybody. Home and home, a radio.com sports original. We are brought to you by Zip Recruiter, the smartest way to hire. Check them out right here, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. Lot to get to. A great game on Thursday night football. Is the wrong team leaving the state of California? Sure feels that way after another great win for the Raiders. I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut. Ross Tucker today on the road, as he is in most cases, getting ready for another Army game. He is in West Point. We will get to an outstanding Thursday night matchup. Raiders, Chargers, Chargers just have that sinking feeling every time we get late in a football game. But first... Ross Tucker, I need the minister of common sense before we get to the NFL analyst in you. Here is why. High school football. I know it is near and dear to your heart. You love high school football more than anyone I know and probably as much as you love the NFL. Plain Edge High School in New York State had a big win last weekend, 61-13 over Southside High School. Their head coach, instead of getting a pat on the butt, He got a suspension. Rob Shaver was suspended because they won 61 to 13. Well, Nassau County in New York has a new rule that you can't beat anyone. No matter how hard you try, you cannot beat anyone by more than 42 points. Further evidence of the wussification of America, or is this a good rule in the goal that is sportsmanship? Further evidence of the wussification of America. I would like to think that most coaches that get into being, especially high school coaches, you'd like to think, Dave, that they are in it for the right reasons. Yes, they love football, but they also realize the benefits that it does for these young men. And I don't really think very many, if any, coaches really want to run up the score. And if they do, I think that they already feel bad enough themselves. Or at least they should. Look, my high school at times, they won a game recently 70 to nothing. And Dave, I'm telling you, the starters played a series or two, maybe. Um, I mean, they they started pulling it back real early. The other high school really struggles. They only have like 18 kids on the team. My high school happens to be very good. The problem is, is that our high school, the second and third string, get a lot of reps during training camp, during the week of practice, and during games. So the second and third string are good. I mean, they're good. So... 
I don't know what you want to do in that situation. I think that the starters played a series or two. They knew it was going to be bad. They knew it was going to get ugly. They pulled them as soon as – I mean, they let them play a little bit, a series or two, and it was 14 nothing. pulled them. But the score still ended up being that bad, even though in Pennsylvania there's a mercy rule. Once you're up 35 points in the second half, it is a running clock. There was no intention whatsoever to run up the score. They don't want it to be 70 to nothing. That's not really good for anybody. I would like to think that this coach in New York State is the same. I think this is ridiculous. Look, it, you know, if he kept his starters in to try to run up the score, well, then shame on him. And there should be stories written in the local paper, and his reputation should be absolutely shit if he did that. I don't think that's the case. I, 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 I doubt there might be a few bad apples out there, but I doubt it. For the most part, they don't want to run up the score. This isn't the old BCS. I think this is the wussification of America. That's why you have mercy rules in place. That's why you get into coaching and teaching in the first place. This stuff like this, man, it's uh, it's not good, Dave. I would like to disagree with you, but unfortunately I cannot. I got my ass kicked early and often my senior year in high school. We got savaged by some of our rivals. I don't remember a single score, but I remember it was ugly. And I remember games were over at halftime, and I never for one second remember thinking, you know what, that is unsportsmanlike. I can't believe they're throwing the ball. I can't believe they're still scoring points. I remember being pissed that we couldn't do more to stop it, depressed that we were winless in our first five games, crushed that we weren't the better offense or better defense. Never remember blaming another team or another coach or another quarterback. That's their job. Now, Rob Shaver says he kept his starters in to continue to score because he feared that they might come back. Look, both teams were undefeated coming into this game. So I'm going to give Rob Shaver the benefit of the doubt. Both teams were undefeated. So clearly, that was a very talented football team on the other side, just nowhere near as good as Plain Edge High School. Love to hear from Rob Shaver if he could come on the program. The wussification of America continues to spread across the country. Let, let me ask you this, Dave. Yeah. Yeah, let me ask you this. I'm curious. Um, just knowing the way the culture is now, did you ever think about, like, was your high school bad all four years you were there? No, we were we were pretty good my freshman, sophomore year, decent my junior year, awful my senior year. Must have been my must have been my contributions to the team. We were undersized. Uh, new coach my senior year. Why? What? It, how does that change the story? Well, it doesn't. I was just curious, no. you know, if um, like if you were at a perennial bad high school, because those exist. Sure. I'm curious as to whether or not you regret that or you wish you had transferred or gone to some other school. It doesn't sound like you were at a perennial bad school. It sounds like the team was good until you became starting quarterback and everything went exactly. downhill after that. So that totally changed. Like I, I was gonna I was gonna say, man, 
Do you ever think about transferring or do you think maybe your life would be different if you went? Because I, I honestly, Dave, I honestly, I, I, like if I grew up in a place where they had a really shitty team, I don't think my life would be like, like I don't think I'd be wearing this jacket, which is a whole other story, but I don't think my life would be like this. I, and I thank my high school coaches all the time for that because we had such a good program. Because we're always good, I grew up wanting to play for my high school team. And so all I ever wanted to do was start for them. But that mm. enabled me to be good enough to go to a college like Princeton. That enabled me to be good enough to go to the NFL. But like, and I won't say their names. I don't want to embarrass them. But if I went to one of those shitty schools that loses every game or is one and nine every year, I don't know. I don't know if AI would have asked my parents to move or like gone to the Catholic school or if I just wouldn't have had the same love for football and you know my 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 whole life could have been different I do indeed wish I transferred because the the coach that got hired before my senior year we were a passing offense then hired a new coach who wanted to bring in a wishbone if anyone's seen me run the 40 yard dash I ain't no wishbone quarterback. I am not winning any races, my friend. It's all arm. No speed whatsoever. And unfortunately, I passed that skill uh, along to my son. You, you wear that NFL jacket just to remind everyone who you are. Like, you want to walk around West Point with the NFL jacket to just be big man on campus? What's the deal? For those of you not watching on the Radio.com app with us, Ross Tucker's wearing a jacket that has the shield NFL, just in case anyone forgot. Well, I don't remember when I got this. Some NFL event I did, obviously. I definitely didn't pay for it. That's for sure. Um, I don't pay for much. <laughs> but we know. Um, no, this is funny, Dave. I uh, or maybe this is not funny at all. And you're going to make fun of me at the end. Either way. All right. It was pouring, pouring when I left my house in Pennsylvania yesterday to drive up here. So I, I threw on this rain jacket. No big deal. I got up here and realized the only outfit, like tomorrow I'll wear a, the, the CBS eye jacket for the game. The only other outfit I have is this zip up, this like Ivy League zip up that I wore on the show yesterday. So this morning I was like, wait a minute, what are my options here? Because I have like a workout shirt, but I've already worked out twice since I've already worked out twice since I've been here. I've already worked out. So that's like sweaty and gross hanging in the closet over here. So my options were to wear the same thing I wore yesterday or to wear my rain jacket with only just like my white my white under tee underneath here. So I went with the rain jacket as opposed to for all the listeners that would, or the viewers, I guess, that would just be shocked and appalled and horrified that I wore the same thing two days in a row. What would you have done? Uh, not talked about this on radio. I'll take option C. That would have been my decision. Skip that story. Save it for a rainy day, just like the jacket. All right. 
Thursday night football, I have a lot more questions about. Raiders, <laughs> you just have that feeling late in games right now, like they're going to win a football game. Chargers, you have that feeling like they're going to find a way to lose, and that's the way it's been for a couple of years, and the Raiders get it done. 26-24, offensive rookie of the year, at least in my eyes. Josh Jacobs has been outstanding. He runs 18 yards for a touchdown to win this thing. The two biggest catch and runs of the game from Eric Harris. One was a catch and run for 59 yards. The other one, a catch and run 56 yards for a score. Phillip Rivers threw them both to the wrong jersey. He could have easily had three, four, five, six, I don't know, at least five interceptions. He did have three, including one that ended the game. Phillip Rivers, who is this guy? Okay, big picture. He's a Hall of Famer, reluctantly. Yes, he is sixth all-time in yards and touchdowns. He is going to pass the great Dan Marino on both numbers, passing and touchdowns in NFL history and will be top five. But boy, we spent days and days, weeks and weeks, years and years debating, is Eli Manning and his two Super Bowl rings a Hall of Famer? And Philip Rivers just can't convince me that he's anywhere close to one of the all-time greats. Rivers or Derek Carr, who would you rather have right now? Well, I, I, it's got to be, it's got to be Derek Carr, and I can't believe I'm saying that. I mean, Dave, if you asked me a year ago, I'd be like, "Are you a moron for asking me this? It's worse than my than my jacket story." <laughs> I would have said, <laughs> I would have said, it's obviously Philip Rivers. Right. That is uh, not the case anymore. You know, um, I have to look up their ages. But Rivers is probably, what, like 38? And Derek Carr's, I don't even know if he's 30 yet. So I'll look up their ages, but that's obviously a big factor. But the way Derek Carr is playing right now, and he is 28 years old. And Philip Rivers, he's been around forever. He's got to be 38, right? Philip Rivers is almost, Philip Rivers' birthday is in a month. He'll be 38. So I'm taking Derek Carr all day. Now, are you saying just for this year or going forward? This year and going forward. Right now, you want to make a run to the playoffs and have a shot at winning the Super Bowl. It, it's the same answer, right? I mean, it, it's clearly Derek Carr who's thrown 12 touchdowns, two interceptions the last six weeks. He's not turning it over. No, he's not doing anything spectacular. But Phillip Rivers found a way to lose that football game. He made the two biggest throws of the night. Again, both were interceptions by Eric Harris. He could have thrown four, if not five, in this game. You know what? Uh, you're right. He's lucky the one time Max Crosby lined up in the neutral zone for the Raiders because if that didn't happen, that was another pick by Eric Harris in the end zone, which would have been three picks for Eric Harris in the first half. Instead, Crosby lined up in the neutral zone, and as a result, the, the Chargers were able to get a touchdown there. It was a fun game. I mean, it, it really was a fun game, back-and-forth game. But you're right. Uh, Phillip Rivers was really a primary reason, Dave, why the Chargers lost. Although I'll say this. 
their offensive tackles, especially when Russell Okun went out, they were uh, really bad. Fair. Really fair. bad. So Rivers was under constant duress, but he still has to be better than that. And he said that after the game. I mean, he realized he did not play as well as he needed to. It's a big reason why they lost. It is uncanny how much every Chargers game seems like it's the same script that plays out over and over again. I literally tweeted, Dave, last night at Ross Tucker NFL. You're at Dave Briggs TV. And, of course, the show is at RDC Home and Home. That you have to admire Philip Rivers' commitment to the script by throwing those early interceptions to get down 10 nothing, <laughs> so he could ensure right. that the, the Chargers had to play from behind, especially in the fourth quarter. So I give him a, a lot of credit for his commitment to the role, sticking with the script, staying in character, all those things that you probably know about, Dave, uh, that I don't know much about. He did all those things and then ultimately was not able to get it done. And I'll also say this. Another awesome Thursday night game. I have yeah. not heard one criticism of Thursday night football all year. Not one. Not, oh, these guys, it's too short rest. These games are horrible. These guys can't prepare. This game, Nothing. Nada. Which is awesome because I've been shouting down that that's a false narrative for years. And I feel like this year is on some level some vindication. Yeah, it has been outstanding. There have been very muted criticism of that. Uh, you're right about those offensive linemen. I think what Rivers took five sacks to go with his three interceptions on this one. Let's hear from Rivers after taking one on the chin. We uh, had eight snaps and went no yards, went zero yards. Sums it up. Is that as good a pass rush as the Raiders have had on you? I don't know about that. I mean, gosh, we played them a lot. They've had, we've had some good pass rushers over the years. So, I, don't, I, mean, I don't know. Obviously, crucial errors. Um, you know, you give a team 10 points at their place, and then you have had the ball there with a chance to win, and you have eight snaps and go nowhere. Um, it's going to be tough to win. All right, now to the victors. Let's hear from Derek Carr and the head coach who has become must-see television, and it has nothing to do with hard knocks. He is leading this team, and he is entertaining from the first snap to the very end of the celebration. Here is Carr and Gruden. You know, some nights are just tougher than others, right? You know what I'm saying? And this was one of those nights uh, that was just tougher. But to see our team with the resilience to nobody cared, no one flinched, no matter what happened, the coolest thing ever, I'll say this, is when uh, they scored 20 to make it 24-20, I believe, um, and uh, on the little shallow cross play. And I look over at everyone because here we go again, right? You know, uh, we were just here. It feels like two days ago talking about this. But we know we have to go on a two-minute drive to go win this thing. And I look around, and all the young guys are like, the look on their face is just like they're ready. And it just gives you so much confidence as a, as a quarterback that – you, know, you can trust everyone in that situation. I think a lot of different people touched the ball on that drive. Um, they made some big plays for us, and it was it was really good. On the winning touchdown, whose call was that? Whose call was that? I give I give everybody credit. We were all involved. You know, 
I called the ones that didn't work, but we had some that, um, that was a tough game. Obviously an emotional win, though. You have to rethink your post-game celebration a little while in the black hole. <laughs> no, I never rethink that. Every win, I'm going down there. I got face paint all over me. I got to see some, some costumes I have not seen before any football games. Awesome. <laughs> I highly recommend, check my Twitter feed, tweeted it out uh, overnight. In fact, at Dave Briggs TV, you have to watch, if you haven't seen, John Gruden essentially pulling the Lambo Leap equivalent, which is going to celebrate with the black hole. This is a man who is exuberant, hugging fans, getting face face paint, as he mentioned, all over his face, high fives. They love him there. It breaks my heart right now. I grew up hating the Oakland Raiders. I hated two things in sports, the Oakland Raiders and Nebraska football, being a Colorado guy. I can't help but root for the Oakland Raiders right now. They are a likable team. Is the wrong team leaving California? Do we all have to eat crow on all the evaluations of John Gruden, the contract, the Khalil Mack trade, etc.? You know what? I'm not ready to eat crow yet on the Khalil Mack trade because, man, it'd be nice if they had him and Amari Cooper for that matter. But John Gruden's in a really nice job with this team. And frankly, I didn't think that they'd win. I thought they'd win maybe five games the whole year. So to be five and four after nine games, very impressive. I, I think, Dave, there hasn't been that much skepticism about his coaching ability. It's been more the moves that he's made, you know, his his personnel decisions. I think on some level, Mike Mayock has really helped him there. Now the Antonio Brown thing was a fiasco and that really just contributed to the narrative around John Gruden. But I'm telling you, man, the guy can coach. Those guys believe uh, he made a bunch of good calls as the offensive coordinator, the play caller last night. And think about some of their draft picks. I mean, Jonathan Abrams out for the year, their first round pick safety at a Mississippi State, but Cleveland Farrell had two and a half sacks last night. Now, he hasn't been great this year, but he was great last night. Uh, Josh Jacobs was a stud last night because he is a stud, the rookie running back out of Alabama, even Max Crosby. The fourth rounder out of Eastern Michigan was excellent for the Raiders last night. So their personnel additions, Tyrell Williams, Darren Waller, they've done a really nice job. And so I think the bigger concern was Gruden's personnel choices as opposed to him as a coach. And I think Mayock has helped them in that regard. Incognito has played well. They, they maybe overpaid for Trent Brown. Maybe, but he shut down Joey Bosa last night. So you got to give him a lot of credit. They're playing at a high level. I mean, they are, Dave, right in the thick of the playoff race. They really are. And it feels like San Diego's playoff run or or, or chances at the playoffs just closed to me. I mean, they're going to have to win out. And yes, if you judge their win over Green Bay, they're capable of it. But you can't judge them by that. They look like a team that has no longer any shot to make the playoffs. And boy... We talked earlier this week about how hard it is for the Chargers to endear themselves to any Los Angeles fans. They can't fill 
Carson, California with 30,000 Chargers fans. It's usually 50-50. And this is just going to make it tougher for the Chargers to find any identity in L.A. and will further the concerns of owners across the league who are clearly concerned about the Chargers experiment in Los Angeles. Clearly, this needs to be a one-team experiment, but for now, looks like it is two. Some major breaking news in college football coming up in just a bit, but uh, regarding quite possibly the number one pick in all of college football, uh, the best player, a Heisman candidate in just a bit. But first, um, a former Raider. Got to talk about Antonio Brown after some quick words from you, Ross, because Antonio Brown or Donald Trump, who is a bigger issue, a bigger problem for themselves on social media. Not entirely clear, but A.B. all over the map yesterday. Yeah, he's got uh, serious issues. He needs someone, Dave, that can go ahead and shake some sense into him and get him to the point where he realizes he's only hurting himself with these Twitter tirades. He should hire someone. He should. He should do what Codable co-founder Gretchen Hebner did. She needed to hire a game artist for her education tech company. She knew it wouldn't be easy to find someone to grow with her team. That's why she went to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. It's technology, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. Gretchen posted her job on ZipRecruiter and said she was impressed with how quickly she found qualified applicants. She also used ZipRecruiter screening questions to filter her candidates so she could focus on the best ones. That's how Gretchen found a new game artist in less than two weeks. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. That's ziprecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. The smartest way to assure you do not have a job ever again in the NFL is the way Antonio Brown has handled himself the last several months. Wow. First, it was reported by Josina Anderson, ESPN, that the NFL will finally meet with Antonio Brown next week. Now, for a moment, I was on AB's side here. I felt, my God, he is starting to make me feel sorry for him. And that's hard to do because why? It's been seven freaking weeks, seven weeks since the Patriots released him and the NFL still hasn't sat down with Antonio Brown. You're telling me that is not collusion. That is not keeping a guy from making a living. At least he deserves an investigation and a face-to-face -face interview. But it didn't take two hours for me to turn and for the rest of the football world to turn on Antonio Brown because he went off on Twitter and on Instagram. And we've got some of the things he put up on Twitter here. There was a lot that has been uh, put out there. It's all been deleted. But first, imagine conforming to a system, giving it 100%. To see them treat me like this 
is unfairly. Yeah, that's what he said. Making money off my sweat and blood. F the NFL. And he made sure to at the NFL. F the NFL. I'll never play in that shit. Treat black people the worst. Clear my name and go F yourself. So Antonio Brown completely lost his mind, torched his future in the NBA, in the NFL, and then he deletes that tweet, clearly takes his medication, because if he's not bipolar, no one can make sense of this, and later tweets this. I'm just very frustrated right now with the false allegations and slander to my name. I love football and I miss it. I just want to play and I'm very emotional about that. I'm determined to make my way back to the NFL ASAP. Ross, again, it's been seven weeks. Why has the NFL not sat down with Antonio Brown? He almost had me coming around to his side until he blew the league up. F them adding the NFL. Will he get another shot in the NFL? And is the league blackballing him? You know, I can't answer the question as to why they haven't interviewed him to this point. I, I, I don't see what the reasoning could possibly be other than maybe twofold, Dave. Maybe number one, they want to intentionally slow play this. They realize that because of his talent, there are teams that are monitoring this situation and that as soon as the investigation's over, that they'll sign him. But they're waiting to see what, you know, the extent of the investigation is. And I think the NFL probably realizes that, Dave, and they're intentionally slow playing it because they don't want him on the field this year. They don't want a team to sign him. So that's idea number one. Idea number two is maybe they had a suspicion that something like this would happen and make their jobs even easier, that he would go on a crazy tirade yet again that would make sure everyone knows yet again that he really shouldn't be on an NFL team. He really shouldn't be in the NFL. And maybe they just realized it was it was a matter of time before he would blow up something like this and kind of dig his own grave. Yeah, I still think that he gets another shot in the NFL. I think there are too many teams that are too desperate the wide receiver position. There is too much talent. Look, just watching, uh, if you watch what he puts on Instagram versus, let's just say, Colin Kaepernick, these are unedited videos that show Antonio Brown with an awful lot of talent still to bring to an NFL team. Now, in this case, backpedaling was his strongest skill, looked like a defensive back, but he will get another shot in my estimation. Keep in mind, Tom Brady still follows him on Instagram, clearly still wants him to have a job in the NFL, if not with the New England Patriots. Russell Wilson advocated for, according to reports, advocated for the Seattle Seahawks to at least do their due diligence on Antonio Brown and at least take a look at him before they ended up signing Josh Gordon. Sure feels like they're helping make a clear collusion case uh, for Antonio Brown, but I don't know that he's going to have any sympathizers or anyone in his corner when he has repeatedly added the NFL with his frustrations and the Raiders and Bob Kraft. It's going to be an uphill climb to say the least, but this guy is his own worst enemy. So can you solve this? Who is their own, who is the biggest 
most self-destructive social media uh, on social media, Antonio Brown or President Trump? Who you got? Ooh. Well, I don't follow President Trump on Twitter, and I don't follow most of his tweets or politics, so <laughs> okay, I'm probably okay. the wrong guy to ask. Uh, I would say that President Trump still has a job, and Antonio Brown doesn't and isn't going to be getting one, so I guess Antonio Brown's more destructive. Well played. Well played. I hadn't even thought about it that way, because I was going to say easily the president of the United States, because I believe President Trump would probably be somewhere in the mid-50s and might just cruise to re-election if it weren't for his own self-destructive tweets. If he would just shut up and let the economy roll, that is how you get re-elected. So we have to talk about some major breaking news coming out involving the best player in college football. He's not a quarterback. He's Chase Young of Ohio State. We'll have that for you ahead. And Dr. David Chow also weighing in on some major NFL injuries. We're back after a real quick break. What is the risk of Patrick Mahomes returning too early to the Kansas City Chiefs? And how have the Redskins handled the Trent Williams cancer? An ugly story developing out of the nation's capital. Let's talk about all that. Plus, Tua Tugavailoa, could he return to the Alabama-LSU game this weekend? Dr. David Chow with us. You know him at ProFootballDoc on Twitter. The website, ProFootballDoc.com. Doc, good to have you here on a Friday. Ross Tucker, is he the kind of guy that just wakes you up an hour earlier than you're normally ready? Is that the kind of friend Ross is to you? Uh, Ross is the kind of friend that not only wakes you up, says, yeah, yeah, and you're going to do video. It's not just audio. (laughs) No, 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 no. First of all, tried to get Dr. Chow on a week or so ago. It didn't work. Today is the perfect day because of Patrick Mahomes, Tua Tonga-Vailoa. I want to ask about the Trent Williams situation, Deshaun Jackson. Perfect day to have him. And Dr. Chow said he would come on at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, which, by the way, was amazing. And then he texted me and said, if you want video, let's do it now. And you look great, Dr. Chow. You got an awesome camera. Is that your computer or your phone? You look amazing. You look better than I do. Uh, just a, a computer. I, have to, I had to get the setup and everything. And uh, because the kids are all asleep, I had to go to a different spot. And you know, it's all good. I'm just giving you a little bit of grief. It's all good. Well, everybody listening and watching, it's very important. If you care about the sport of football at all, you go to profootballdoc.com. It's amazing. There's nobody else out there like him. He was the team orthopedic surgeon for the Chargers. How many years, Doc? 20 years? Uh, Officially 17 years. Yeah. Uh, 17 seasons. Uh 17 seasons. And today is the day to have you on. Um, I've read your stuff on Mahomes, and I've told people and recommended that they read it as well. Fully participated in practice the last two days. It seems to be the case, Dr. Chow, that he's going to play on Sunday. I want to go all the way back to when he first got hurt against Denver and what you wrote and what lay out the whole scenario for our listeners and viewers of the injury, 
the options and the route that pretty clearly the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes are electing to take. Well, if you want to go back and look at it, you can go to profootballdoc.com and use player search, type in Mahomes, and all of the comments going back for the season will be on there, and you can see it without scrolling. And when he got hurt on that Thursday night a little over three weeks ago, uh, it was pretty clearly a kneecap or patella dislocation, not knee dislocation. And the uh, medical staff put it back in on the field. And it was a fairly innocuous play in terms of the quarterback sneak, not a big-time open-field contact injury. And he walked off the field. At that point, I said, well, here's the deal. Uh, there's no question ligaments, the medial patellofemoral ligament, are stretched, torn, or partially torn. Because you can't have your kneecap or any part of your body move two or three inches out of place without something you know, being injured. And the fact that he has loose ligaments does make some sense. But in any case, on that day and on that night, I wrote an article and at profootballdoc.com that I would expect it's possible his likely return is between three and four weeks. This Sunday marks three and a half weeks, three weeks, three days, technically, I guess. And I do believe he will play and be effective. However, I still have said and maintained that the chance of redislocation is still there. I'm not saying the Chiefs are making the wrong decision. I'm saying the real, the realistic fact is that he likely will still have off-season surgery for this young quarterback to prevent the kneecap from coming out again down the road. This is the same thing Matthew Stafford did in 2009. He returned in about three weeks. Of course, they're different types of quarterbacks, right? But he came back in about three weeks and then uh, had off-season surgery and has not had any problems since. All right, so here's my question then, Dr. Chow, because I've read this and I've seen this. So you're telling me that the future of the Chiefs franchise for the next 15 years very likely needs surgery but they are going to delay that and have him play. And the knee brace is really designed to try to keep the kneecap in place. What are the risks of playing? Can you do further damage? And what percentage chance does it happen again? Because I've seen some reports out there that listed at 40, 50, 60%. Well, Jay Glazer was quoting apparently a, a doctor or quoting information that Patrick Mahomes was told. And his interpretation of that was that if he played last week, it was a 40% chance of redislocation. And if he waited past 21 days, and this week it'll be 24 days, it would drop to 10 to 15%. I don't know that medically you can make numbers that specific. And it's not like 21 days, it's this, and 22 days, it's completely different. It's all gradual. But the point is made that there is a chance of redislocation. I've estimated, because there's no way you can know for sure, even if you examine Patrick Mahomes and see how loose his ligaments are, look at his MRI, see his Q angle, how shallow his groove is, any uh, uh, patella dysplasia and the shape of the kneecap, et cetera. Even if you knew all that with a hands-on exam, 
you cannot say it's 52% or 43%. It depends on what happens in-game. And, of course, the more dynamic and mobile you are, depends on what kind of hit you might take, it varies. But I have said uh, in the article and at profootballdoc.com that I believe there is about, give or take, a 50-50% chance that Patrick Mahomes will have some symptoms related to his kneecap going forward for the rest of this season, at least one occasion, either where the kneecap comes out again or whether he feels it shifting or something happens. That's, in general, what I feel will happen, which is why I believe he still will have surgery at the end of the season to correct this ongoing problem. Okay. Okay, let's... So then the two questions off of that would be, how much will this affect his performance for the rest of this year while we're watching him on TV? And then how long is the surgical recovery? Because if they get to January or third round of the playoffs or whatever, how long is the recovery from this? Well, I mean, uh, I believe he's going to be surprisingly effective. First of all, the guy is almost superhuman, right? I mean, he could throw a ball out of a stadium, the whole deal. And believe it or not, the fact that he's has such great arm strength has to do with his knee. Uh, Ian Rappaport said that there were, that Patrick Mahomes has, quote, loose ligaments. Yes, that is real and that exists, but the loose ligaments are all over his body, which is why his shoulder and his arm is like a rubber band, more stretchy, more rotational force, and why he's got such great arm strength. That's the upside of being loose ligamented. The downside is things like this kneecap. Uh, and yes, if he has it done in the offseason, let's say, let's be optimistic for the Chiefs and say February 3rd, he does have a chance to be ready the first Sunday after Labor Day to play. And this is without even getting into the ankle injury that clearly hobbled him prior to the knee injury. Talking to Dr. David Chow, check him out out. Pro Football Doc on Twitter as well as ProFootballDoc.com. Same case with Tua Tagovailoa, the Alabama quarterback. If he is to return for the LSU game, is there a risk that he further injures himself? Well, this is a perfect transition, and we didn't mention Patrick Mahomes' high ankle sprain. He actually had a high ankle sprain in week one that not a lot of people were talking about. If you remember, he limped through the rest of that game, and we've been talking about it on the website and on Twitter and he won the first four games, so everyone forgot about it. But in week five and then week six, he re-aggravated the high ankle sprain. So this is the transition to Tua. No question that Tua can re-aggravate the high ankle sprain. Now, the difference here is Tua had surgery on it. Unusual. I'm not saying wrong, just unusual. And I wrote an article for the San Diego Union-Tribune. I'm sure Ross uh, is aware of this, too, in the sense that I'm not aware of an NFL athlete or an NFL team that has done surgery in a similar situation with a high ankle sprain that is not unstable. And what I mean by that is, in Tua's case, last year after the SEC championship game, he hurt the left ankle in the first quarter, played until the fourth quarter, and then had surgery on the left ankle after exiting for a right low ankle sprain. This time, 
he was taken off the field fairly quickly for the right ankle, diagnosed with the high ankle sprain. But we all saw him walk into an ambulance and walking full weight bearing, no boot, no crutches. Let's go back to, gosh, A.J. Green, who still isn't even back, no surgery on the high ankle or tightrope surgery. Saquon Barkley, very clear high ankle sprain in game, four to six weeks absence. He came back at four weeks, was on crutches and a boot, no surgery. Matt Ryan, who's coming back this week from his right high ankle sprain, no surgery. So Tua surgery, I believe, is done more for to prevent re-aggravation, and maybe it works for that, but it's not something that speeds healing, per se. So I do not believe he will be 100% for this LSU game. Yeah, that, that to me is crazy, that for the second year in a row, a college kid who's the presumptive number one pick had a type rope or rope surgery, whatever you call it, that no NFL players have? Like, I got to be missing something. Is this a risky surgery? It's a, Is it a new surgery? This is weird. It's not at all a risky surgery. It's a very simple surgery. And the incision for the surgery is no bigger than uh, where you could put a, fit a pencil or pen into. It's very small. It's like a one centimeter incision, very small. So the recovery from the surgery is not bad. And I think that's part of the theory why they like to do it in Alabama. It's not that big of a surgery. The procedure itself is not at all new. It's often been used for decades. And I use the tightrope or similar things. And tightrope is a proprietary name. But that type of, of uh, flexible stabilization structure is done all the time on unstable ankles. And unstable ankles, you can't play football on. You can't walk on without discomfort. You need a boot and crutches or more. But stable ankles, it really hasn't been done on. And my presumption is that you can't play three quarters of big-time college football on an unstable ankle. You can't walk without limping on an unstable ankle. Let's look at Matt Ryan and how he limped off, how Saquon Barkley was on crutches. And we talked about all these different examples. So it's an unusual application of a long-standing technology. And once again, I haven't said that it's wrong. I'm just calling out that it's not usual or typical in the NFL. Okay, here's my here's my last one on Tua. The Dolphins, these teams, they're tanking for him potentially. He's the number one pick, we think, back-to-back -back years with this ankle surgery. I, don't, I know you're going to tell me he's not. How could any NFL team not feel like he's injury-prone? I mean, we're going to be talking about this guy until April. If you were the team doctor for the Bengals and the Dolphins and all these teams that might draft him, what are you saying when they say, we're going to give the guy number one overall pick, future of the franchise, $40 million, and in college he has back-to-back -back ankle surgeries? Well, you can't blame him for the surgery. I mean, he's basically, you can say that he's had two high ankle sprains in two consecutive years and look at that and so forth. But any traumatic injury, it's a matter of getting hit the wrong way or getting tackled. It's not your body soft and you're injury prone. And I do not believe, of course, I have not examined Tua or gotten operative reports or seen x-rays or MRIs, 
But my assumption is if I were in good old Indianapolis doing the combines for almost 20 years, that I don't think he would be significantly downgraded uh, because of the ankle issues. And my final little thought or prediction on Tua is even though he's a game-time decision, I mean, I wrote an article on this too. Look, I asked uh, Mark Dominic on Sirius this question when he actually was interviewing me about game-time decisions a week or two ago. I said, Mark, in your time as a GM for the Buccaneers, how often was it really a game-time decision versus a game-time confirmation? In other words, how often did you really not know if this guy was going to play or not play, or or did you really have a pretty good idea out of 100? And he said, maybe one, maybe two times. They, they weren't sure you know, if he was going to play or not. But that's consistent with him. You bring a guy on the field, it's not like, gee, we don't know what's going to happen. It's We kind of know he's going to play, but let's make sure. Or we really don't think he's going to, but let's make sure. So this game time decision stuff is a little bit uh, false. I think Tua's going to play. But is he going to be himself? No way. As a matter of fact, I think people will be impressed. Both Patrick Mahomes and Tua should play this weekend. And I think people will be impressed at how mobile Patrick Mahomes is, and they'll be surprised. But the risk is redislocation. And I think Tua will not be mobile, his mobile self. That Mahomes will be, look, quote, a lot better in terms of mobility than Tua this weekend. And, you know, you probably heard that funny comment from Nick Saban. He's got to outrun me or something like that in order to play. <laughs> Talking to Dr. David Chow. Check him out, profootballdoc.com. Like those two mobile quarterbacks, we'll go back and forth now, back from college to pros. And left tackle Trent Williams, Washington Redskins, seven-time pro bowler, placed on reserve non-football injury list, ends his season and likely gets the Redskins off the hook for paying him a dime of his salary. Back to the beginning of it, the growth six years ago on Trent Williams' head turned out to be a rare form of cancer the Redskins initially diagnosed as a cyst. What do you as a doctor make of the Redskins' handling of Trent Williams' health? Well, we only know so much from the outside here until you look at the medical records and so forth. So a little bit, it's reading the tea leaves. Obviously, it sounds bad if five or six years ago they said it was a cyst and it was nothing. But if they truly said, this is nothing, don't worry about this, Trent, I would be very, very surprised. What doctors do is, I don't think this is nothing, but let's check back in three months, six months, or a year. That's what doctors typically say. And I don't know what really happened there, but that's what doctors typically say. This indeed was cancer, indeed was a dangerous form of cancer, so you have to feel for the process that Trent Williams went through. But it's a very, very slow-growing cancer. And even six years later, they got it all. So that's certainly good news for Trent Williams. However, there are reports that he was told maybe to get a biopsy to determine for sure where it was and didn't. I'm not sure of those details. The bottom line is this. The Redskins have asked for an investigation and under the CBA, I believe that's an Article 50 investigation where the NFL appoints one doctor, the NFLPA appoints one doctor, and those two doctors appoint a third. They get to interview everyone and look at records and determine what happened. The Redskins asked for this. 
this certainly shows that they're pretty confident that the records and what their doctors did are on their side. I mean, if a company is opening up its books, what are the chances it's cooking its books? So that's all I can say with that. Um, in right. any case, the and, and then the final thing, and now Trent Williams apparently doesn't necessarily want that out there. And the final thought I'll have on that, and or you can ask me more about that, is for the <laughs> fire the Redskins doctors crowd, let's get all the facts. The only Redskins doctor that was there five or six years ago was James, the great James Andrews, and he was there. The current regime of doctors were not there five or six years ago. They came in about three years ago. So, yes, they've had a run of bad luck with Alex Smith and Colt McCoy and Darius Geis' infection, et cetera. But that's just a knee-jerk reaction to say, here's another example of the horrible Redskins staff. All right, I got two quick ones for you, Dr. Chow. Just want to get your thoughts on what's going on in these situations. First one, Cam Newton. Watched him play first couple weeks. Seemed okay to me. And now he hasn't played since. Now he's on IR. What is going on there, do you think? Well, what percentage of the time when you were in the NFL, Ross, did you play at 100%? Pretty much never. Maybe the first day of training camp? There you go. Now, the Panthers, after the high ankle sprain on week three against the Patriots, he returned to play and probably wasn't 100%. And then he had a bad week two, perhaps re-aggravated. At that point, the Panthers and Cam Newton said, both said separately, I'm not coming back and we're not bringing him back until he's 100%. That's when I said, okay, this is going to be a prolonged absence because they're waiting for 100%. It's unusual for a guy to be 100% in week 10 of a season. So if your threshold is 100%, yeah, it takes a long time. And yes, he will be fine for next season. It just 100% is a high threshold. And you've made the point for me. That's, that's all I'm saying. Could he play NFL football now? Yes, I believe so. Could he play it pain-free? Probably not. Could he be 100%? I don't think so. And that's kind of where this has gone. And because they're applying, both sides, the 100% threshold, that's why even though after the second opinion and they said no surgery, at the website I was saying, I don't care. That still makes me think he's going to go on injured reserve. Because if the standard still is 100%, it's still multiple weeks away. All right. Good. That was awesome. Last one. Deshaun Jackson. The core muscle surgery. I had that after my senior year of college. You were on this before anybody else was back in week two. The weirdest part about it to me is that he didn't have the surgery right away. Uh, I'm not aware of how that thing heals without having the surgery. So what do you think happened there? And I'm, I'm outside of Philadelphia and they want to know who to blame. And at this point, it's hard for me to know, other than Deshaun at this point, why he didn't have the surgery. What do you think happened there? Hard to say, not in the building. Obviously, the Eagles have, once again, there's calls for fire the doctors. Well, the doctors have changed three times since the Super Bowl. I mean, under unprecedented move, the Eagles let their head orthopedist and the head primary care doctor go after they won the Super Bowl. I don't think that's ever happened in the history of the NFL. And they've changed again since then. But in any case, it seems that the doctors may have and probably did give him the option of surgery. But you can't make a player get surgery. 
And here's the thing. In retrospect, it seemed like Deshaun made the wrong decision. But at the time when you're saying you've never had surgery in your life in the NFL, you have this injury that it's possible to play through, perhaps best or more secure to get surgery and put it behind you, but then you're going to miss at least six weeks. But if you rehab, you might be back, but it might crop up again. He made the decision to try and rehab and play through. Now, it turns out now in retrospect, it's probably the wrong decision, but it is what it is. Hindsight's always 20-20. And I'm sure Deshaun at this point would rather have had the surgery, but I think you were presented. he was presented with options and he chose not to. Dr. David Chow, the pro football talk. Doc, excuse me. We appreciate you waking up early. Sorry Ross does that to you. It's stud. do not disturb. He is a stud. That was amazing. So, and you're a stud, Dr. Chow. That was Ross, awesome. we've come a long way. We've come a long way because Lisa doesn't know. The first time that we ever crossed paths at Sirius, you gave me a lot of grief. Like, because I actually did a physical on Ross when I was at the Chargers. He came through. And he was giving me a hard time because why'd you have to shoot so many X-rays and do many do so many things? <laughs> oh my on gosh! So, so Dave, I, I had Dave, I had a tryout, I had a workout for the Chargers, okay? Yeah, and this yeah. was 2005 after Buffalo cut me, and I was doing the workout circuit every week. When I went to San Diego, they gave me like 12 X-rays, like anything <laughs> I had ever hurt in my life, my right knee. My back, my left hand, my neck. I mean, I, I spent, you know, I'm lucky I was able to have children after what Dr. Chow did to me <laughs> out there in San Diego. Well, let's put it this way. As I've told you before, there's two things about that. One, if we don't do that to you, that probably means it was an agent favor that you were being brought in and we weren't <laughs> taking a serious look at you. So the team was telling me, take a serious look at you. B, in a job interview, you obviously, you, as a player, your job is to downplay any previous injuries, right? And my job is to find them. So if you were an owner, do you want me doing the physical like that or you want me just passing you through? And I hope that this amount of thoroughness that I applied to you is what we try and do at profootballdoc.com and what have you. So that's just all we were trying to do, be thorough and do our jobs uh, completely. And Ross got a little angry at me for it. And this is probably why you made, made me get out of bed today, because you're like, <laughs> I'm getting you back. <laughs> Doc, just click Do Not Disturb on your iPhone. That's how you brush <laughs> off guys like Ross at 5 o'clock in the morning out on the West Coast. We appreciate the time and much appreciate the analysis, sir. Thank you. Thank you. All right, get some sleep, Doc. Really interesting, enlightening information on a whole host of pivotal injuries in the NFL and college football from the pro football doc. Nobody knows the injuries better. Coming up next hour, the best player in college football, the likely number one or number two overall pick in the NFL draft suspended. Who knows? Could he be done for the season and impact a national championship? Will it impact his pro prospects? Probably not. We'll tell you why after the break. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.